0: All right. Thank you all for tuning in tonight. We have a great episode lined up for you. Excited to be talking uh, fundamentalism, deconstructionism, and KJV onlyism. I hope we can get it all in on this episode. Here we go the Here I Stand Theology Podcast. Here I stand. I I can do no other. God help me. Will you recant or will you not? Since your majesty and your lordships desire
1: a simple reply. I will answer,
0: unless I am convinced by scripture and by plain reason, and not by popes and councils who have so often contradicted themselves, my conscience is captive to the word of God. His conscience is neither right nor safe. I cannot, and I will not regard. Here as yes. here I stand.
1: I can do no. I can do no other.
0: Stand Theology Podcast. We are a podcast devoted to a pointed and spirited debate of biblical doctrine. As well, I would like to mention the Here I Stand Theology Podcast is a ministry of Reverend Baptist Church, meaning this that as pastor and an elder there at the church, I am under accountability to the other elders. I serve the congregation. And so everything that we do and say here ought to to be a good representation of biblical conduct our conversation ought to reflect reflect that which glorifies christ so in that event if there are any issues any concerns if we get out of line in any way if we are in any way unbiblical in the doctrine and the truth that we're speaking talk to us. Shoot us a, shoot us a text. Shoot us a, a message. Let us know if we are straying from the truth. We are not above reproof, rebuke, and correction in the faith. So that being said, today we have a exciting episode. It's going to be a, a concentrated episode. We are not going to get to everything that we want to get to today, but we are going to get some good stuff today. So that being said, Uh, let's bring in our guest tonight. Our guest is Nathan Cravat. Nathan Cravat was born into an IFB home. He quickly became a pastor's kid and a missionary's kid and did his best to prove all the stereotypes true. He grew up in an IFB boys' home and attended IFB schools, Until he was kicked out during his senior year. Now this is on their webpage. I am this is not in any way a degrading comment. This is simply something I'm sure that Nathan has approved himself, but his life was radically changed by the gospel when he was twenty five, and he immediately felt the call to preach. He served as a youth pastor for sixteen years until God led his family to plant a church in twenty sixteen. Nathan is the director of Young America Ministries and currently serves as an elder teaching pastor of Hope Church in Trenton, Georgia. So that being said, let's bring Nathan in here. All right, Nathan, welcome to the Here I Stand Theology podcast.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Claude. Man, I am blown away by your intro. So I've listened to, to, I sampled some of your episodes when you asked me to come on, but I have not heard the intro Yet. I don't know if that's newer or if you just do that on YouTube, but that was awesome. The video, the audio, everything. I'm just like, I'm proud to be on here, man. Thank you very much. <laughs>
0: Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> You'll hear yes. that a lot. So you know, all glory goes to God on that. Um, so um, Nathan, here, let's again, we're gonna we're just gonna jump right in, go right into this. We got a lot to get to uh in a short time to get there. Um, so uh if you have sampled us, you probably are aware when we have guests on that we ask a foundational question, okay? Yes. This question kind of sets the standard and the tone. For the whole podcast. So we'll go ahead and get this question out. Actually, for you, I have two questions. Normally, it's just one. Let's go. But but for you, we've got one. So the question (laughs) to you is this. If you had to arm wrestle J.C. Groves or Brian Edwards, who would win?
1: Wow. I think (laughs) J.C. could beat me. I think just, uh, I mean, I feel pretty sure that I could put up a fight. And I would be very happy if I could beat him, but I think, I think JC could beat me. Brian's been a little sickly the last few weeks. So I think I could probably take Brian right now on arm wrestling. <laughs> I wouldn't want to fight with Brian, but arm wrestling. Yeah. I think I would, I would try to take him, but JC would slam me. I just have no doubt whatsoever.
0: So would you kick him in the shin underneath the table to get an advantage?
1: Whatever I would have to do. I exactly. would, I would probably throw something at him or distract him or yeah. <laughs> Ask him a theology question, and then yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all is fair in love and war.
0: That's exactly right. So <laughs> the next question, okay, this is you probably get this all the time, but I'm going to ask this anyway. I haven't heard anybody ask you, but I I think okay. you should get this if you're not already getting this. So watch your screen. Here's the question: Have these two guys ever been seen in the same room <laughs> at the same time? <laughs>
1: The answer to that question is no. And you can interpret that you can do your hermeneutical methods, you can interpret that any way you feel fit.
0: Thank you. That was a great answer. That was a great answer because I'd already uh, I'd already planned to to guide you into that anyway, so. Yeah. So do you get that a lot?
1: I do not. Actually, almost everybody that I meet and talk to for the you know, first time tell me I look like somebody. Uh and I think that's because there's so <laughs> many uh how do you say this uh in twenty twenty two? I have so many roots and uh nationalities. I'm I'm a Hans 57. Uh, If you want to know my pedigree, I have a little bit of everything. I would tell you what my grandmother said we are, but that's not suitable for the air. Basically, a cleaned up version. We're a little bit of everything. And Italian, uh, uh, Spanish, uh, Irish, uh, American, Native American, all sorts of things. So, yeah, I think there's a little bit of everything in me. And that's why I probably look like somebody to everyone.
0: So it was Shia LaBeouf to me from from the time I saw you on that debate, it was like, is that Shia LaBeouf?
1: Well, thank you. I, th- I think that's uh I think I think I could definitely beat him in an arm wrestling match if we could ever manage to get the two of us into a room, but I don't think that's gonna happen.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. So well obviously, so so here's just a sample of, of some of your work then since you're um not you are or are not taking credit for being him. This is this is a word of encouragement
1: do it just do it
0: <laughs> i love that
1: i like that man motivation for a new year come on 2022
0: <laughs> all right so um uh so have you um So let's just start here then. Uh, Share with us. I know I read a little bit of your bio there from your webpage. Uh, Just share with us a little bit about you, how you came to Saving Faith in Christ.
1: Yeah, gladly. Thank you for the opportunity to do that. Uh, I do want to back up just a little bit and tell you that I need to update my bio because I've been in Anderson, South Carolina as the associate pastor and youth pastor of Gospel Light Church and I've been here since April, so I've had over nine months to update that, and I actually thought I did, so I kind of want to blame it on somebody else, but I, I need to take credit for it, so I need to update <laughs> that bio, but everything else is true up to that point, point. and uh, after four and a half years, the Lord led us away from the church that we planted. We were able to transition it over to uh, the elder team that was there, three other elders, and they just brought another one on, and the church 100% uh, voted in one of the elders as a teaching, the lead teaching elder. So God's hand was just all over that, man. I, I'm so proud of that church, so proud of them. God created me as a pioneer, and um, I'm I'm not scared to start something. I'm not scared to move out, but God has not equipped me yet. I'm working on it, but so far God has not uh, blessed me naturally with a whole lot of administrative skills and organizational skills, a pioneer just gets out and gets the job done and makes something happen, and that's my strength. Now here in Anderson, I am trying to become a little bit better uh, and get some of those rough edges knocked off. And my my uh, lead pastor here, Chad Gamble, is is working with me, and uh, y'all pray for him because because I'm growing. But yeah, <laughs> we're we're glad to be here in Anderson. My family loves it. Um, my oldest son, I have four children. And my oldest son is an adult. He has he's 25 years old, 26 years old almost, and he has moved out. He graduated with his master's degree and uh, is living in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. And I guess that's pretty close to you, right?
0: You're you're in Tennessee somewhere, Rogers? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm in East Tennessee. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. Well, he loves your football team, so so (laughs) there you go. Go Vols for my son, Austin. So, uh,
0: (laughs) I'm an Alabama uh, fan, so I might have to bleep that
1: out, man. I'm sorry. I'm a Florida state fan. So we're just going to be all mixed up today. So (laughs) they let you guys live in Knoxville. Yes. I I I would have thought you'd had to do a survey or something to purchase property there.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's especially hard on the church because during football season, you know, right after prayer, we say Amen, and then we need to say Roll Tide. So,
1: oh, absolutely, (laughs) yeah, you just you're compelled to do that. (laughs) So, yeah. So, anyway, my son is is living there, and my three daughters moved here with us to Anderson. And uh, I've been married to Carrie, my beautiful wife, for uh, coming up on twenty six years. And, uh, man, God has been so good to us. We were two kids that knew almost nothing when we got married. We both thought we were Christians, and we were really just playing games. we have been raised in the church, and, and underst- we knew a lot about God and about church and theology, but didn't really know God personally. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll start my testimony there and try to keep it brief. Uh, we, we were married right out of high school. And uh, I was raised as a preacher's kid, uh, came up in independent fundamental Baptist circles, camp meeting circles, King James only circles. And my wife, bless her heart, was uh, raised in the Nazarene church. And she had just never heard of anything like what she was about to encounter <laughs> when I took her to church with me for the very first time. Man, she literally looked at me at church and said, why is he screaming and i was like uh i guess that's just how we do it um, you know with the baptist and kind of made a joke about it and then about halfway through he started using inappropriate language and uh, she was just like is this a joke and i was like you know uh yeah i think maybe but no it's not and um I don't want to repeat what he said, but he was you know, very comfortable in talking about other, uh, other, other people groups and, and things yeah. like that, and just just kind of a, a backwoods uh, comedy, as, as you, you would say about people of different nationalities, and it just wasn't really funny. But I was raised in, in that type of environment, the camp yeah. meeting environment. You can just about get away with saying anything. Yeah. And the, the worse it is, the more shock jock value, then you know, the yeah. louder the amens are gonna be in in the camp meeting circles. That's what it's all about, how many <laughs> amens you can get. As you probably <laughs> saw from the debate. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen an amen sex? Just be just be honest with me. Did, did a little bit of the inside of you wish that you could get a a little bit of that in your church on Sunday
0: morning. Oh, always, always. But I'll, be, yeah. <laughs> but I'll 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 be I'll reflect the honesty. I I came up as you when you were talking about the uh, um the colorful language used. It made me think of when I was a teenager, Bobby Thompson, the eagle preacher. Oh, yeah. Do you, yeah. Oh yeah. And, and uh, man he, He would, he would use, he would use the N word. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There was one story he told about sitting on the front porch and hugging up, trying to hug up on his girlfriend and what she said to him about after that. Uh, Oh
1: yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Yeah. And let me just say, I'm not, I don't approve of that. I'm not okay with that, but he was not out of the ordinary. Right. That that didn't even turn heads. I mean, it wasn't even I didn't even notice it because that was just that was commonplace. Yeah. Yeah, But I do want to say because I always try to 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 uh, point out the positives in my upbringing and some things Mm -hmm. I'm very, very thankful for. And man, I do remember uh, Bobby Thompson. Right.
0: Yeah. The Eagle preacher.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I was getting his name mixed up with uh, another guy. But anyway, I remember him multiple times. I heard him like my whole childhood all the way up through being a teenager. And uh, I remember those sermons on the Eagles, man. I loved yeah. them. I thought they were awesome. And he was the guy that was preaching when I found my favorite uh, Bible verse and my life verse. Wow. And I will never forget the church I was sitting in. It was Katusa Baptist Tabernacle. And he was preaching. It was a big old, old-timey old uh, rock church in Ringgold, Georgia, And he was preaching and he referenced Isaiah 55, eight and nine, where uh, he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither Mm -hmm. my ways, your ways, says the Lord, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts and my ways than your ways. And uh, that's King James Version. And I probably misquoted a little bit of it. But uh, man, I, I absolutely didn't know it at that point. But that was, I think, when I became reformed. Because something about that verse captured me as an eight, nine, 10-year-old boy. I don't remember how old I was, but I was definitely under 10 years old. And something about that verse just captured me in the bigness of God, like how great he was. And if yes. his thoughts were so much higher than mine, I could trust him with my life. And if his ways yeah. were so much greater than my ways, why would I try to write my own story? And that was a just a huge point in my life. And and for you know the past almost 40 years. That's been my life verse. And and I, I have him to thank for that. So definitely some good memories there. Even though I I try not to learn a whole lot from some of some of his tactics. I understand. So so my wife and I got married and yeah, she was baptized by fire into that world and she just was immediately like, we we're not raising our kids in this kind of church. And I was like, Amen, sister, we're not. And uh But then I had to break her heart and basically tell her, (laughs) but I'm not taking them to a Nazarene church either. We're going to have to find a a middle ground. So we ended up finding a a healthy uh, Southern Baptist church that had actually just transitioned from being an independent Baptist church. And they still use the King James. So it was a it was a pretty easy transition for me because I still had a lot of the, the legalism and fundamentalism in me that, you know, some of it was good and some of it was not. Very good. I would argue at the drop of a hat, and in the middle of me arguing, like the person I was arguing with was just like, it's not that big of a deal. Why are you so upset about it? (laughs) And and then he would be like, And and why do you feel that way? And I would just pause and look at him like, Oh, wait, I'm supposed to argue this, but I don't know why. And I can't back it up with scripture. I just had those those talking points, and it had always that's what I had always believed, and it had always been right. So moving into that church, uh, God used that church to really introduce me to the concept of grace and Amen. yet still have some solid Bible teaching and preaching. And I don't know if you're familiar with the name Tom Hayes. Tom Hayes came <laughs> through and preached at that church and, and uh, multiple other, mostly independent Baptist pastors. Uh, Dana Williams was one of the independent Baptist evangelists that came through. And uh, I was actually saved the night or the next morning after he finished preaching our revival. God wouldn't let me sleep that night. I got up and went to work the next morning and I was just living a double life. I was living a lie and wanted to believe and thought I believed and thought I was a Christian, but my life just was not matching up. There had never been any true repentance in my life. And and through a, a course of bad decisions and looking at possibly losing my family and just struggling with. Some horrible decisions in my life, and having a difficult marriage just just because we were both kids and and yeah. you know we truly didn't know the Lord. Um, I came to a breaking point uh, that next morning after that revival service ended on a Wednesday night, and uh, God just met me in the garage on a construction site, and I, I couldn't work. Nobody else showed up that day. I was on this construction site all by myself, and I tried to work for about ten minutes, and I just was crying. And uh, I took my tool belt off, went and got my Bible out of my truck, sat down in the garage and said, God, I'm not leaving until you do something in my life. I need you. And um, that was where I finally repented of my sins and said, God, here's my life. It's a blank slate. Please, you do something for me. It wasn't okay. I'm going to do this. It was God. You save me. I need help. I'm calling out on you. I've made a mess of my life. I'm ready to do it your way. And yeah. that was where everything changed. And, yeah, you know, like you said, immediately felt the call to preach. And it happened in the middle of a prayer. I don't really believe philosophically or theologically in prophetic praying, but yeah. something happened while I was praying. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm making you un- uncomfortable. I'm doing it on purpose. All your you're, listeners are out there are like, whoa, what's happening?
0: You're not making me but, uncomfortable okay. at all, brother. Believe okay. me, we are we're on the same <laughs> wavelength.
1: Yeah. So I was praying exactly. and just like, trying to be like lord you know i need this lord please do this please do this and then out of my mouth i hear these words lord i want to do what my dad did and my dad worked with youth and children's mm-hmm. homes and and when i said that i like stopped because it shocked me and i was like what what was that like it was it was almost <laughs> like it wasn't my voice speaking and uh uh it was it was strange uh, uh, probably 6 months before that a visiting pastor who was very influential in my life had stopped in the middle of his sermon or or at the beginning of his sermon after he read his text and he just stopped and just looked out at the audience for a, you know, maybe 30 seconds. And, uh, everybody was like, okay, what's happened. And he was an older, very much 70 plus year old gentleman Mm -hmm. and loved this guy. John Paul Parker was his name pastored for over 50 years, all around Somerville, Georgia, Lafayette, Georgia, that area. And yes, that is how they pronounce it, Lafayette, Georgia. And, uh, for everybody listening out there and, uh, he was preaching and he just paused and after it felt like 20, 30 seconds, he just looked at me. I was on the second or third row. And he said, Nathan, come up here. And he called me boy. He said, Nathan, come up here, boy. And I was like, okay. So I walked up and he just stopped and he just started crying, put his hands on my shoulders. I'm not even saved yet at this point, looking back. And, uh, just puts his hands on my shoulders and just starts shaking and weeping, and he said, God has a call on your life. He's going to use you to preach the gospel, and he just, call it what you want to. It felt yeah. like he was prophesying over me in the in yeah. the power of the Holy Spirit, and it absolutely shook me up and rocked my world, and I wrote it in my, I have a whole page in the back of my Bible, still have that Bible where God just shook shook me in that moment, and then eventually came to faith, and then God just put me in this whirlwind where it it almost feels like, you know, he made me run through a gauntlet the first 15 years of ministry and marriage and and it was tough and it it seems like all of hell and Satan tried to do everything to get me out of the ministry and destroy my marriage and God was faithful. Man, he was so so faithful and and through all that time I had to had that whole pendulum swing from legalism to liberalism yeah. to, you know, I yeah. was I was flirting with the whole emergent movement because it looked cool to a young 21-year-old guy. And yeah. praise the Lord for Kevin DeYoung and and his buddy, I forget his name, that wrote the book Why We're Not Emergent. Uh that was one of the things that that brought me back from the brink. And and thank God that pendulum stopped right around reform theology and God rocked my world with, with uh, reform theology and the doctrines of grace and, and not what I had always heard character caricaturized as being, but what true reform theology teaches and I don't I don't go around waving a banner, waving a flag. People ask me all the time, are you Calvinist? And I'm like, yeah. no, I'm not what you mean when you ask me if I'm Calvinist. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I say I'm reformed because uh, I can I think I can explain that a little bit better. And then I have a, a ton of friends that are just all out Calvinists. They have the tattoo. Yeah. They, they have the Luther beer and they're they're you know, wide open. And I'm, yeah. I'm fine with that, too. But the, God has put me in a unique position where I've been able to influence people. On both sides, but the the influence in my life from Reformed theology from guys like John MacArthur before I even knew he was Reformed and Calvinistic yeah. to discovering John Piper through his biography series to uh, starting to read R.C. Sproul and all yeah. that man, God just just rocked my world. This little fundamentalist Baptist heart of mine, he rocked it with yeah. the gospel. And I'm just I'm in love with Jesus and give him total 100 percent credit for every good thing that I've done. All the bad stuff I have to take credit for. But uh, Jesus is is everything to me. And I'm I'm honored to be uh, serving him in the ministry.
0: Praise the Lord, Nathan. That is wonderful, sir. Thank you for sharing that. So uh, in our communications back and forth um, you you had to correct me actually you had to correct me actually because I kept wanting to say and type reforming fundamentalist <laughs> and um, I do
1: too <laughs> so but,
0: but but let me ask you this question so you uh, you are co host of the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast so tell us uh, talk let's talk a little bit as as I mentioned in the notes we'll talk specifically and candidly about the issues within the IFB movement. That, that they've had throughout the years, obviously. And every, yeah. and again, we're not pigeonholing. Uh, you know, the IFB. Every every church has its problems because yeah. human beings are involved. Uh, Amen. But particularly, um, you know, where where your all's podcast is coming from. Uh, what does it mean to be recovering? And let's define fundamentalist. Actually, let's let's do that. Let's start with yeah. fundamentalist. In the IB sense versus the general sense.
1: Yeah, I would just say the historic sense of what it means to be a fundamentalist is that the fundamentalist movement was started to unite Christians, and I'll I'll admit that it was used to unite Christians against something negative, against false Mm -hmm. doctrine, and that was theological liberalism. But it was a uniting effort that was trying to bring Uh, people together across denominations and uh, it was completely an interdenominational uh, movement. And there were different Bible versions that were used. It was just to unite people around the five fundamentals, the inerrancy of the word. And I could normally list them out. My mind's going blank right now, but there are five historic fundamentals that that Mm -hmm. people had to affirm to be a, a solid Christian and, or to be a, an actual Christian.
0: So, th- and, so, those are the inspiration of the Bible by the Holy Spirit and in the inerrancy yep. of Scripture, the virgin yep. birth of Christ, uh, the yes. belief that Christ's death was an, an atonement for sin. So, that's penal substitutionary yes. atonement, yes. the bodily resurrection of Christ, and the historical reality of Christ's miracles. Sorry to interrupt. Yes. I just wanted to. No, thank
1: you for doing that, that because I can usually just say them, and my mind just went blank after that first one. And I didn't want to get them wrong. It's funny, there was another <laughs> podcast recently that. that uh, ended up saying there were six fundamentals, and it's funny because they were kind of speaking out against us, and they they didn't even realize how many fundamentals there were in, <laughs> in the fundamentalist movement. But that, that's that's ty- typical. And hey, we all make mistakes. I just reduced it to one, so I re- I can't really say anything <laughs> about them. It's okay. But uh, so a historic fundamentalist would have been someone who held to that. But the the fundamentalist movement was quickly split and hijacked. Uh, Mm -hmm. It quickly moved to a separatist movement that uh, I think is what we saw reflected in the 50s and 60s and the Independent Fundamental Baptist movement, and then into the 70s and 80s with Hiles and other guys like that. And uh, so uh, originally it was a uniting movement around five fundamentals of the faith that were honestly a a, uh, lowest common denominator of, of what it means to be a christian like if you don't believe these things then just don't yeah. call yourself a christian if you don't believe yeah. in the inerrancy of scripture because you you don't have any solid ground to stand on if you don't believe in the virgin birth of Christ then he's you you can't claim that he's deity so there's you know Rot. his claims the bible's lying about who he is so so all of those things one by one it's it's like a stack of dominoes one of them goes they they all go so um and I, and I love al moler's a uh, little bit refined. Uh, way to put it, the theological triage where he talks about, you know, there's first level, second level and third level things. Mm -hmm. The first level things are are things that you have to believe to be a Christian, like the Trinity and different things like that. And uh, then, you know, you move to second and third level things that you can disagree about. But ultimately, that's what fundamentalism was. And um, what was your what was the other part of your question?
0: um well basically um, recovering. so recovering what does it mean yeah, that yeah. you're recovering fundamentalist obviously that's in context of the ifb correct yes yeah. yes
1: sir so uh we uh, brian uh edwards jc groves and myself uh we're all we're all the three three hosts of the recovering fundamentalist podcast And in the very beginning uh jc groves and myself met in a restaurant in Chattanooga. I believe it was Mission Barbecue. Praise the Lord for barbecue. <laughs> and uh, we met there. What better place to talk about starting a podcast than a barbecue restaurant? So uh, we, were, we were sitting there and bouncing names off each other, like X Fundy and all this other stuff. And we wanted it to kind of get people's attention. And, and somewhere in the recesses of my mind, I, I said, what about recovering fundamentalist? And I wasn't sure about it, but J.C. Groves was like, whoa, that's it. That's the name. Absolutely. (laughs) Let's go with that. And we didn't invent that name because, I mean, if you look up on YouTube, Mark Lowry did a skit on recovering fundamentalism. There are one or two other (laughs) books out there that, you know, people wrote and self-published that are confessions of a recovering fundamentalist and different things like that. So those words have been bannered around together, but never like anything really substantial. So... We uh, did what all good Baptist preachers do, and we stole the name and uh, took, <laughs> took it for our own. And there was not a podcast out there named that, so we, so we ran with that. And uh, the name, uh, as we discussed it and wrote out our mission statement and developed that, basically the name recovering means two different things. First of all, th- th- we believe there are a whole lot of people out there that were influenced by legalism whatever denomination they were a part of because fundamentalism runs across runs the gamut across you know presbyterian uh, yep. church of god uh, just baptist whatever there yep. there's a lot of fundamentalists out there and there's a lot of legalists out there yep. and uh, so we do believe there are a lot of people that need to recover and we admitted that we are still recovering after all these years of i hadn't been in a, a you know a true solid legalistic independent baptist church and 15 years at this point, and uh, yeah, I still had things in me that I I know I still need to 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 work through. Man. And we know there are a lot of people out there, and the people that God really put on our heart to start this podcast for were the people that were out of church, that had walked away from God, or they walked away from a misrep- misrepresentation of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, we wanted to tell them, hey, you don't you don't have to leave church. You don't have to become an atheist. You don't have to even become a theological liberal. You can be a, a Bible believer. You can be a, a true Christian and not associate with angry, independent, fundamental Baptists, the legalistic type. Right. And then that's the first part of the name, which is obvious. Everybody gets that, oh, you know, they need to recover. Those poor guys, they're recovering from fundamentalism. It really messed their life up. You listen to our intro. Uh, there's there's some really good words in there
0: about. I love that. I love your <laughs> intro. It's it is so it is killer.
1: <laughs> Thank you. And then uh, and then the second aspect that we really felt most challenged about with the name recovering was that we want to recover the name fundamentalist from those people who have hijacked it. We we yeah. believe true fundamentalism is united around a core set of beliefs that can yeah. have a lot of unity across denominations, across different Bible mm-hmm. versions, across different dress codes. Yeah. And uh, that's what true fundamentalism started as. I call it 1910 fundamentalism, because yeah. that was when they started writing the fundamentals of the faith, was the testimony doctrine, to the truth.
0: The doctrinal deliverance, yeah. right, of 1910. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So uh I think they continued writing it and finished it around 1915 or 1915 something like that. So yeah. uh five five years maybe more that they were writing those those books and the four volumes 12 different essays and so that that is really where we where we started out with the name recovering fundamentalist.
0: That is awesome. So how did, uh, how did you, uh, you get connect or obviously you just told us about you and JC, how y'all got connected. How did you, how did you three get connected with Brian Edwards?
1: So JC and I've been friends for, you know, 15, 20 years at that point, And, uh, just just we're brothers and and wherever we moved to different churches and different ministries we worked together a few times and as god took us different places we just always stayed in touch we just i'm from the second i met jc groves we were brothers and there was just never any like just never any doubt about it we i don't know if we've ever had a fight we've you know (laughs) had some deep discussions but i we just we're just brothers and uh Love that guy. And Brian Edwards is another man that just is a, was an immediate brother of mine. And Brian Edwards and J.C. Groves had crossed paths multiple times and sang and preached in the same place, but had never met one another. But then it, when I finally introduced them on a phone call, uh, they immediately knew all the same people, had preached in all the same revivals, had <laughs> sung in all the same churches and concerts. And, you know, they had both been uh, uh, Southern gospel singers, and so they they had run in the same circles and man they they immediately had more in common than JC and I did just because wow. all the people they knew. <laughs> so uh after that conversation JC called me back he goes, "Yep, he's in. He's he's the one. You're right. Let's get him." But Brian Edwards had helped me plant Hope Church in Trenton, Georgia and uh he just we actually met on Facebook. There's a lot of nightmare stories out there about Facebook, but Brian Edwards and I met because some people were attacking his dad about the King James only issue. And his dad was so gracious as he always is. And so wise. And I just stumbled across his, I wasn't friends with him. It was a friend of a friend. And I stumbled across these people attacking him. And I just made a comment. I said, Hey, brother Craig, I heard you preaching growing up and, and uh, I'm proud of you for your stand. Uh, Just keep preaching the word. Don't worry about these people that just want to throw rocks. You just keep doing what God's calling you to do. And within two days, Brian Edwards had private messaged me and said, thank you so much for standing up for my daddy. I appreciate that. And then we started tracking down how we knew each other and all all the different places (laughs) we had been around each other but had never actually met. And, uh, you know, strange strange set of circumstances. A a few months later, he, out of the blue, invited me to preach at one of his uh, pastor's conferences on youth ministry. Just from the phone conversations that we had had, And I showed up and preached, and he didn't kick me out. He let me stay. And I ended up going back for a few years after that. A few years later, ended up planning uh, Hope Church. And the church I'm at now, I actually met Chad Gamble, the pastor, the founding and planning pastor of this church at one of Brian Edwards' uplift conferences. I think it was the very first one that I spoke at. So the Lord moves in mysterious ways. And, you know, uh, Brian Edwards, J.C. Groves, and Nathan Cravat, we uh, have caused quite a stir and people either love us or hate us. Uh, Very few are in in the middle of that. But, uh, (laughs) hey, whichever end of the spectrum they fall on, we're having the time of our lives and (laughs) we're really enjoying what God has called us to do.
0: That is wonderful. (laughs) So, um, so let's, um, let's do this. I mean, dude, we got, we got a a whole lot that (laughs) we could talk about that. That is Craig, uh, Craig again, uh, and I, let's just you know, talk candid more a little bit here. Um, so I think, um, just to share a little bit with you. So um I I will say this and I'll tell anybody this. Uh, you know, I got saved in a Southern Baptist church, March 1987, at a youth conference. I wasn't in the actual Southern Baptist church, but I was in Nashville, Tennessee, got saved. Way up in the balcony, I got born again, without a doubt. Awesome. <clears throat> but so many folks, and and I'll say I looking back now, I've been reformed since I got saved right? The Lord called me to preach at age 17. You and I are close close in age. I'm 48. Uh, okay. i 49 this year. So, um, But the Lord called me to preach at age 17. I, I know looking back, I didn't know I was reformed then, but I know I've been reformed as far as doctrine goes uh, all yeah. the way through. I just never knew how to articulate it. And I think there is a, there is, as there is in in the IFB movement, in, in all the other movements, even in the reform movement, there is that, um, there's that, that challenge of just being able to say that it's not my way. That's always the right way. It's not my ideas that are always the right ideas. Like, you you know, you fretted a few minutes ago, you thought, oh, you know, you're, you're maybe getting, you you asked me if I was getting uncomfortable. No, (laughs) Uh, because that unlike most, uh, I mean the reformed have the same problem that the IFBs do. They go oh, yeah. they they go over into the ditch of legalism uh, or they go off into the other ditch of hyper Calvinism or hyper reformed, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh so so there's no, you know, there's really as we're talking, dude. I am identifying 110%. You know, <laughs> I, I just want you to know that. All right. <laughs> so Nathan what have uh, what have you learned um just over the past couple of years as far as working with the recovering fundamentals podcast and your view and your communication of the faith and the gospel to others
1: yeah that's that's uh a really good question because when I started this out you know i i I don't think I wouldn't have worded it this way, but I kind of thought I had this thing figured out, and I thought if there's any topic I can talk at length on, it's this one. But man, mm-hmm. God has taught me so much in the last two years about some of the legalism and the fundamentalism, the negative side of fundamentalism still in me. Mm-hmm. That uh, you know, I just was was not gracious enough to a lot of the people, and man, I have met so many good, solid, independent, fundamental Baptists. That have sent me private messages, that have emailed me, and that have said, "Hey, man, we agree on more than we disagree on." And I'm thankful for what you're doing. And most of them tell me I would get in trouble if anybody knew I was sending you this message. <laughs> but uh, we've had—I've had lunch, breakfast, dinner, e- exchanged emails, long phone calls with—I'm—I'm I'm talking hundreds of pastors over the past two years that understand where I'm coming from, but they're still in the IFB world. And uh, one of the best experiences I had with that, which was really a turning point for me, was I woke up one morning and someone sent me, uh, this happens almost every day, someone sent me an an email or a link to a guy who wrote an article on Twitter that said why I'm not a recovering fundamentalist. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. So I opened it up and started reading it. And, you know, i am just got my guns cocked. I'm ready to go start firing back. And as I started reading that, I was just like, man, this guy is very gracious. He makes a lot Mm -hmm. of really good points. And I can talk to a guy like this. So I I just commented on it. And his name was Dave Young. And I said, Dave, thank you for your very kind and truthful uh, article that you wrote. And uh, we would love to have you on the podcast to discuss why you're not a recovering fundamentalist and he graciously agreed to come on and it was one of my favorite to this day one of my favorite episodes and uh, i do say that about multiple episodes and uh, everybody makes fun of me for that but everything's my favorite whatever i'm doing right now my favorite meal so uh this is my favorite podcast at the moment after your (laughs) intro it, it really is up close to the top of the list that was awesome but uh, yeah, he he did a great job and he challenged us on, you know, broad brushing people and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I think that was a turning point in our in our ministry where we started being like, yeah, there there are a lot of legalistic, independent, fundamental Baptist churches. But there are a lot of them that that are balanced, that are healthy, that are trying to be healthy. And, you know, I don't I don't know. We know there are no. Perfect churches. There are no perfect pastors. So uh, we may have different things that that you know we we are our strengths and different weaknesses. But God has shown me that there are a lot of faithful brothers in the Independent Baptist Church. And man, I'm thankful for a thousand and one things that God blessed my life with growing up in Independent Fundamental Baptist churches. Now there are a lot of things that I'm not I'm not afraid to back down on and I'm willing to take a stand against out oh. of context, preaching yes, uh, non- nonsense uh, conspiracy theories about Bible versions. I'm yeah. willing to stand against that uh, man-made uh, standards that can't be backed up by scripture. I'm willing to stand yeah. against that. I- I'm willing to stand against uh, you know, just twisting the scripture to make it mean anything you want to and playing fast and loose with scripture and interpreting it wrongly. I'll stand against those things and I'll speak against those things. But uh, I think the accusation that in the beginning days, we broad brushed all the independent fundamental Baptist churches. uh, I think there's some truth to that. I don't think we ever said every single independent fundamental Baptist church is legalistic, but, you know, from our experience as three pastors growing up in it and being preachers, kids and, riding the camp meeting trail and circuit, like from, from our very large sampling, uh, the majority of our experience was in legalistic churches. And, you know, I'm also very, very thankful for my parents. My parents are the real deal. They love Jesus Praise the Lord. and uh, they have been faithfully in ministry over 40 years God saved them when they were long-haired hippies partying on the beach of Pensacola, Florida, and God <laughs> saved them out of that mess. My dad got saved two days after his brother-in-law was killed in a drug deal mm-hmm. that he was supposed to be at. My my dad was in church. You know That was Friday night, Sunday morning. My dad was in church, and he got saved not too long after that. So uh, God has been good to me. He's been good to my family. I have people within my family that you know, this podcast is not their favorite thing, if I can just put it nicely.
0: Yeah, I can yeah, <laughs> but, I understand,
1: but that we have reached a place where they they love me and they support me, and it's amazing that the the debate was what brought us together. The debate was really the catalyst where they look they, you know, multiple people in my family called me and said, "Hey, I don't agree with you on everything, but your heart and how gracious you were." Uh, in that debate really really let me see where you're coming from with this podcast and god is just that was a specific answer to prayer in my life because i, I don't want to fight with my family i love them too much and life's too short to focus on the things that we disagree on now i do think it's important to stand up for truth and yeah. this this podcast that that we started was was started to reach those people who had been negatively affected through legalism in fundamentalist churches. And uh, God has allowed us to help uh, thousands of people in that situation. And uh, I'm thankful for that. But man, we're still learning and we're still growing. And if God's taught me anything, it's been that uh, I'm still a work in progress and I need to be careful about pointing my fingers. Uh, I, I can point it back to Scripture. I, I'm always going to do that. But but I need to be careful when I point it at other pastors and churches because uh, I'm going to be held accountable for me and my ministry, not them and their ministry.
0: Amen.